0: Thank you for for jesus and um, we thank you that we have life in him and that we have um, our everything in him and right now i just pray for your holy spirit to fall fresh i pray that you will lead us and guide us through your word i pray that you will open our hearts and our minds to see and hear what is good from you in your name i pray amen all right you may be seated If you have your Bibles, grab them. We're going to go back into Romans, uh, as we've been all year. Uh, We're going to start in Romans um, chapter 8, starting in verse 18. We're going to take a pretty good-sized chunk this morning. Um, 18 through 27 is what we're going to talk about this morning. And um, I'm just going to go ahead and read it, and then um, we will get into, into it. So let me read that. of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have had, had the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we await eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes... ...for what is seen, he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches our hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of god let's pray one more time father god we uh we thank you for your word we thank you that is precious and it is a treasure and right now i just uh, pray that this treasure will be revealed to us through your holy spirit and that it will impact us greatly Um, allow it to penetrate our hearts allow it to penetrate our minds change us and make us more like you in your name i pray amen Well, as, as uh, Jonas preached last week, um, and we were talking about being children of God, we're actually heirs of God, and um, we can actually call him Abba Father. Um, I, I really feel like we have to pick it up almost at 17 here. Um, and, and let me read 17 and then go into 18, and let's talk a little bit about this. And it's, it's a word that we don't really like to talk about as humans, and that's suffering. Suffering seems to be one of the things that is talked about here quite a bit. And so um, 17 it says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might be glorified with him. And then it goes on in 18, For I consider the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. And anytime you see for, that, that word for, that's a connection word and it, it is explaining what the previous verse talked about there. And so it, it kind of opens up that verse a little more. And, and I just really want to talk a little bit about suffering before we get into the text here. Because suffering is, is it, it's a reality of life, isn't it? Every single one of us has gone through some sort of suffering somewhere in this lifetime. And that's Christian believers and non-believers alike mainly because we live in a very fallen world we live in a very uh, a world that is corrupted by sin and so we have we have this this suffering that is real in our lives suffering that is all around us in reality and a lot of times we ask the question why why am i having to go through this right has anybody ever asked that question like, why, why am I going through this? Why is this happening to me? What's wrong with me? What did I do to deserve this? Those are, those are sometimes questions that we ask ourselves. That they're, they're questions I've asked myself in, 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 the, um, in the realm of suffering. Um, but uh, and, and, and hopefully, as, as we read through this text, uh, we may not get the full grasp of it, but uh, maybe get some answers to that. Um, like I said earlier, suffering is a reality of life. And in, in this, this life, every single one of us is going to suffer in some way or form. It's not if, if we're going to be immune from it, but we're either going through suffering, we're going to have been going through suffering, or will be going through suffering. And sometimes those are all interconnected. Sometimes those are things that, you know, maybe, maybe something that happened in our past, it, it's a continuation through the rest of our lives, Um, But, you know, the fact is that the Christian life, not only does the secular life have sufferings, but the Christian life even more so. How about that for encouraging? You know, Jesus said, you will have much trouble in this world. (laughs) That's a promise from Jesus, right? If you're a follower of me, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have suffering. He went through suffering. And, and there's something about this as, as we see this, that we are heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. And there's something about being an heir with him and he has gone through suffering that it's not going to actually make us immune through suffering. It actually is going to bring suffering to our lives. That doesn't sound very appealing, does it? The Christian life is not about, subtract, about the subtraction of suffering. But it is the addition of grace that allows us to go through that suffering. And let me say that one more time. The, the Christian life is not about subtraction of suffering. And there is a theology out there right now. that a, 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 uh, You know, if you just trust in Jesus that all your troubles in this war are going to go away. If you just have enough faith that that you're going to it's 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 going to shield you from these problems and that's not what the bible says. It's absolutely not what the bible says. It's actually contrary to what the bible teaches. And so I'm 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 convinced that the bible is not about the, it says it's not about the subtraction of your suffering, but it's the addition of grace that allows you to go through those sufferings. Philippians, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, I've heard that verse. Uh, you know, I've seen it on plaques. I've seen it on, um, you know, sports equipment. People write on their shoes. And if you just take that by itself, boy, it sounds like I can just do whatever I want. But if you read ahead of time what it says in the context of the scripture, Paul's like, man, I, I've been through famine. <laughs> I've, been, I've been through want. I've been through all this stuff, I've also been through good times, but then he goes, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and that is, is, is what the Christian life is really about, as, as we go through this suffering, as we go through hard times, as, as some, and sometimes we're like, why are we going through those things, and hopefully I can answer some of that today, um. There is a reason for us to go through suffering at times. Suffering in the Christian life, I believe there there, are some really legitimate reasons that we would actually, God allows us to go through it. Um, Suffering in the Christian life, it actually allows us to know Christ. Just as as it says right here up in in 17, we're heirs and co-heirs of Christ. He went through suffering. It allows us to understand Christ more. It bonds us with him. It allows us to identify with Christ. Um, And that's really important. It also also weans us off this world. Um, There is a uh, thought process that you can have your best life right now. Almost sounds like a good title for a book, doesn't it? (sighs) That you can have your best life right now. Guess what, guys? This life is not the best. That is, it's, 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 it, that's not what this is all about. I'm getting tongue-tied because I get so excited about thinking about this. That that this life, if this is the best there is, we're in really big trouble. We're in really big trouble. There is so much more coming, and so many bigger things coming once we leave this world and it's exciting to think about and, and, and we're going to be looking at that here very shortly in this scripture uh, but it, it is very short sighted of us to think that we can have our best life right now so it actually weans us off this world, it allows us to focus on the next world which is what we need to be really focusing on not that we negate everything here not that we ignore anything that's going on here because things do matter here but our focus is now set on things above set our minds thing on things above it also uproots us from the things of this world the things of this world are temporary they're carnal and they're broken and so what suffering allows us to do is uproot us from this idea that we are trying to make a home here. Our home is not here. This is a temporary place that we are passing through. Uh, Yesterday I just did a funeral for uh, for a family. That's the reality of this life. Every single one of us, unless Jesus comes back, is going to face death, leaving this world. And so every single one of us that's setting up house here it's temporary it's very temporary but we as human beings like to be have comfort and we like to not change and really suffering allows us to focus on the fact that this life is not this world is not our home that it allows us to look to our home that's waiting on us Suffering also matures us. It's part of our sanctification. Um, If you look earlier in Romans, Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 3, suffering actually is doing something. Um, It it, it is maturing us. It's making us more like Jesus as we we go through suffering. It purges out out of our wrong priorities and attitudes. It refines us. It's one way that God uses to refine us it also, it also makes us more dependent on Christ when I'm, when I'm going through stuff a lot of times I am more focused on Jesus and my prayer life actually reflects that I'm more prayerful when I'm going through stuff or maybe I ha- or or maybe somebody else that I'm really close to is going through stuff the suffering of others actually helps us focus on Christ as well. And it also, it also keeps us or helps us identify and minister to those in a suffering world. So it allows us to see somebody else and have empathy as they're going through suffering that maybe we had just gone through ourselves. Um, and so... I think that's a really important part of, of suffering. And so once again, those are, those are just a, a list that I kind um, of compiled of some reasons that we may, may have to go through suffering. Um, but a lot of times, and in, in myself included, we don't like to think about having to go through that. Or maybe you're currently going through it. I know that there are people at Mercy Hill on both sides, the east and the west, that are going through suffering as we speak. And um, and so, as we get into verse 18, if you have or are going through, or put this in your memory bank, because when you're going through it, it's n- it, this isn't if it's going to happen, it's, it's when it's going to happen. We need to keep this at the forefront of our mind. We need to make sure that we are looking at this verse and it actually helps us ground our faith, if you will. It's, uh, I'm not an electrician, but um, I know that as, as people that work with electric, and I've talked to them, you definitely want to have a ground wire, right? As you're, you're playing around with electric and, and running currents and stuff, because otherwise you're going to get shocked if you don't, or maybe you end up dead if, if, if it's the right circumstance, um, or the wrong circumstance, if you will. And a grounding wire is very important. And so this this scripture in my mind, verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory to be revealed to us is a grounding wire for us. It's a grounding verse for us. As we look and walk through this world that we're temporarily going through, this is something that we have to pay attention to. And so uh, the first point, and and, and really, I uh, I played around with this. Um, the first the first uh, draft I had of this, I I said a a uh, a, a, a comparison, and then I, as, as I'm as I'm praying and reading through here, I actually put no comparison <laughs> for my headline, and I I put our great reality. So um, our great reality is that. I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory to be revealed in us, and so I think what Paul does here is he he almost sets it up almost like a scale, and he puts here's our present sufferings right here, and and there's actually some lists we can we could even look in um, Romans uh, go ahead a little bit in Romans eight, verse thirty five. And there's a, there's a nice little list compiled there. Um, but if you, if you read that, it, it, there's tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, uh, being put to death for our faith. Those are all realities that, that Paul is saying is happening at this present time with the church in Rome and with himself. And you're seeing all this and he you know if we put this on a scale and we start we start adding this onto the scale here and if we would compare it to our future glory which we'll put that on the scale here in a short short time here um second corinthians i it's a place that i i almost have to go to second corinthians chapter four it almost, this verse almost dovetails ex- with exactly what, what Paul is talking here, and, and it's Paul writing to the, the Corinthians here, um, starting in uh, verse 16, verse 16 of chapter 4 of Second Corinthians. So we do not lose heart, though the outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being new, renewed day by day, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Notice how he's talking about the suffering. It's light and momentary. And you know, you read this and you're like, well, Paul, that, that might be easy for you to say. But you don't know what I'm going through. Well, let's see what Paul's light and momentary troubles were. Uh, if you fast forward to 2 Corinthians chapter 11... Starting in 23 through 28, there's, there's another, once again, another list compiled that Paul is talking about. And these are things that he has personally gone through. So 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in 23. um, And I'm just going to kind of hit the the ending of that, of, of 23. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death, 5 times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one 3 times I was beaten beaten with rods once I was stoned 3 times I was shipwrecked and a night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers dangers and robbers dangers from my own people dangers from the gentiles dangers in the cities dangers in the wilderness dangers at sea dangers from false brothers in toil and hardship through many a sleepless nights In hunger, and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and in part from other things, there's a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Pretty light. We read that, and you're like, Paul, how, how, how can you say this is light and momentary? I look at that list, and it's like, this is... This is a, this is, man, it's tough. But yet, he looks at it in the grand scheme of things. And so, it is light and momentary when you understand what we're comparing it against. What are we comparing it against? Well, first off, our present sufferings, they're right now. We're going through it right now. It's in the present time. And they are seen, so we can see them. We're, we're, we're experiencing them right now. and they're, But we also know that they're temporary. Let's look at the future glory that Paul is talking about. This, this future glory that if we put all our sufferings, all these things, this light and momentary trouble that Paul just talked about, in Second Corinthians, he talked had a list here in, in Romans as well. Throw all that, throw every single one of our sufferings on that scale as well. That scale, when we put the future glory, that scale's not gonna budge at all. It's almost like when I was a kid and I would um, arm wrestle my dad when I was like in elementary school. And I'd be like, okay, Dad, let's arm wrestle. And his arm would not budge. His arm would not budge at all. Even though I would put two hands up, I would put all my weight, everything, everything I could to try to push against my dad, there would absolutely be no budging. And this is, this is how it is with this scale. That the future glory, boom, that we have in Jesus is so much more than what we, every single one of us, put on that scale. That's pretty amazing to think about, isn't it? And so what what does this future glory look like? Let's get a, the Bible sometimes gives us a glimpse of some things. Revelation chapter 21. Um, You don't have to go there if you don't want to. But um, basically starting in uh, verse 3. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every, way, every, every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed. Behold, I am making all things new. That's a glimpse of what is to come. But for me, you know, the beginning right there. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Just as it was with with Adam and Eve back in the the garden. We we have absolutely, you know, before the fall, they had a perfect relationship with God. That's what we're going to have in this future glory because of what Jesus has done for us. And that... That is really amazing to think about. And so this future glory that we have with God far outweighs these sufferings that are real, right? I mean, these, these, if, we, if we're honest, these, these sufferings are real. You know, there, there is real pain. There, there's pain that will make you drop to your knees. There's pain that will, that, that, that will bring you to tears. There's pain that will... will not allow you to sleep at night. These real pain and suffering that we go through in this world is absolutely no comparison to what is to come. And that's the that's really good news, isn't it? It really is. And so we we must, we must keep comparing our future glory to everything in this world. And when we're going through these temporary pains and and, and these real things that impact us, we have to, we have to continually put our minds on things above, on things to come, on our future glory. The fact that the future glory is going to be um, amazing, it's also going to be permanent. Think about that. It's going to be eternal, forever and ever 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 and ever. We are going to be with God, and so what we are encountering right now with our pain and suffering is a blimp on the screen. It is a a microcosm, something that you would have to look into a microscope compared. To the eternity that we're going to face with God I believe when we start focusing in on that in the eternal glory that we can say the same thing that Paul does that these light and momentary troubles We, we tend to, you know, obsess or focus with our present sufferings. And we kind of get, we stare at it, we are memorized by it. And then we only glance at our future glory, right? Now, you know, that's, that's coming. You know, I, 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 you know, for me even, like, I, I was thinking about this week. We're, we're going on vacation here in a couple weeks. I'm excited about that. And as I was thinking about the future glory, I was almost more excited about my vacation than the future glory if I'm gonna be honest with you we look forward to things that are temporary and we look forward to things that are eh, in the grand scheme don't really matter you know, I've been planning this vacation we've been planning it for a while and it just kinda of like there's a countdown we should ultimately have a countdown for our future glory this is something that we should be looking forward to at every step of the way as a, as a believer, as someone who has put their trust in Jesus. And I need to reverse my view on my suffering and my pain and look to my future glory rather than looking at my pain and suffering. as we go forward here in in 19 it says for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God Um, the second point I have is is there's just a great longing there is a great longing for Jesus to come back and there's such a great longing that creation (laughs) awaits with eager longing for jesus to come back for um, a lot of times we 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 think about the sin that happened at the fall and we think man mankind is screwed up the human human race is screwed up the repercussions of sin entering the world it also everything in this world was affected every molecule was affected by sin creation itself has been tainted. Creation itself—it's not just the world system that we are we are dealing with, but creation itself has been tainted by sin. It has um, uh, been impacted on every level by the curse of sin, and we can see that in Genesis, where weeds come in, and you know, um, work is harder. Because of what has happened here. Um, But the whole creation was cursed. By one man. Adam. It goes on. um, For the creation was subjected to the futility not willingly. But because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be free from its bondage to corruption. And obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And so we see here that creation is waiting for Jesus just as much as we are. And knowing that um, there is something that's going to happen when Jesus comes back. And that is that Creation itself is going to look differently when, when Jesus comes back. Um, if you look at Isaiah, Isaiah 11, um, 6 and 9, uh, Isaiah 65, you know the, the lion will lay down with the lamb. The, uh, the, uh, there's one spot where it says that um, the child the child will actually play with the cobra den and stick its hand down in the cobra's den. Can we imagine a world like that? Where we would let a toddler go ahead and play with a poisonous snake. Or that a wolf will come over and, you know, just kind of lay down with your sheep. And they, they, you know, the wolf will just lick the sheep and say, hey, you know, we're, we're friends now. That, that, that in, in the natural world that we know of right now is non-existent, is it? We see killed or be killed in this natural world that we live in. And this is a broken world that we live in we are so used to this and we are so used to the the status quo of sin affecting everything that we don't even realize that it's broken and so what will be amazing when Jesus comes back is that we will have a new heaven new earth and the the creation will be completely restored it will actually be made better Um, there's one quote I really like. The, the creation was cursed by one man, Adam. And there's a ripple effect of all the sin into it. But one man, Jesus, will restore it and actually make it better. And so we actually have more in Jesus than we ever lost in Adam. If you think about that. And so just as, as us, as believers, um, creation is waiting. But then, it, then we, we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we await eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. And that's in, in verse 23. And I really think this is interesting. I, as I was doing um, some reading in this, um, so creation is waiting for Jesus to come back to reveal himself in us, to um, transform us completely into new creations ourselves, uh, but you know, it's, it's interesting how it says, and not only the creation, but our, we ourselves, Christians, believers in Christ, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, what does that mean, first fruits of the Spirit, well, well, God has given us the Holy Spirit, only we, we trust in him, if you look at chapter 8, chapter 8 is full of these first fruits, if you will, um, verse 2, he set us free. Uh, verse 4, enables us to obey the law uh, verse 5, sets their minds on things of above um, verse 6, the light, you know, spirit of life and peace And nine, verse 9, 11, 13, 16 and for lack of, of uh, time here I'm not going to go into, into more detail than this but you know the Holy Spirit gives us these fruits, gives us these giftings to help us navigate this life and, and like I said chapter 8 is loaded with that that these things that he has given us. <clears throat> but it, it goes on. Uh, you know, we groan inwardly. We're, we're just kind of groaning. We're waiting, waiting for Jesus. <clears throat> and sometimes we don't even know what we're, th- that, you know, that's even happening. I think it's, 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 it's kind of an emotional, like, <sighs> life, life can be hard at times when we're just waiting for Jesus to come back. Um, it goes on inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons the redemption of our bodies. And just like, just like um, that, there's, there's going to be um, a new heaven, new earth, we are going to have new bodies. And that's really what that's talking about. Um, we are already adopted, and it's just going into the fruition of what we are going to get out of that, um, that we will have new glorified bodies, perfect bodies, that we are going to have an atmosphere, and a body that does not sin anymore. That's amazing to think about. And just as Paul had talked back in, in, in Romans earlier when he was frustrated with the fact that he is always doing the things he doesn't want to do, that once that happens, once that happens we will not have to worry about that anymore. That we will not have to battle against sin anymore. That Sin will be completely eradicated from our bodies once and for all, and that'll be really good. Point number three is is, is basically the great hope that we have, um, or our great expectation. Um, if we go into, uh, we, we see hope just filled everywhere here. Um, verse twenty, the end of verse twenty. Um, into 21. In hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage of corruption. Um, it goes on, you know, um, in, in, in 24. For in this hope we were saved, now hope that is seen is not seen, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So, hope is everything here, guys. Um, as we and, and really, we we have to we have to really think about what hope is in the in a, in the sense of a biblical hope. Um, a lot of times, uh, we will say, "Boy, I hope the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl," or "Man, I hope I get some pizza for supper tonight," or um, "I hope that I can win the big lottery numbers this week," right? This is not the hope that we're talking about. And we use it as a culture all the time. But the Bible um, defines hope as a confident certainty about our future. There is, a, there is a knowing beyond knowing beyond knowing a shadow of a doubt that this is real and true and we can bank on it. This is the hope that we, we have. Um, it, is, it is not a... I'm not sure if it's gonna happen, hope. It is a hope that we know beyond all knowing um, that it is gonna happen. So that that is that and when we talk about this, this is the, the hope that the Bible has set up. Um in the midst of this fallen world, we need this hope. It anchors us, it helps stabilize our faith. And we need to be heaven-minded. Once again, looking to our future glory. Um, you know, there's there's a story that Ronald Reagan uh, had uh, presented, and he's pr- he probably presented it better than I will. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try to repeat it. So there's there's two, two twins, and one was a a pessimist, and the other was an optimist, and um, the one the one twin, everything was negative. He he just no matter what happened, he he always looked at it as a negative. Um, the other twin was just always always happy, always positive. And so the parents were talking to some of the psychologists and, and the psychologists were like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do some experiments here. So they, they take these twins and they take the twin that everything was negative about it, everything. And they they lock him in a room full of all these new toys, and all all the games and anything and everything a kid uh, would want. They and 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 he literally every time he picked up a toy, he found something negative about it, or he he started crying because he he he, this is all going to be taken away from me. The kid over here, the, the 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 kid that was pretty positive about everything. They threw him in a room and um they basically they they decided to go to the barn uh to to a farmer's barn that had horses and they uh they filled the room with what comes out the rear end of that. Okay. And 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 so the the the, the psychologists were just waiting. They're just like, "Okay, we're 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 going to see how this kid reacts." And at first the kid was kind of like, "Okay." And all of a sudden he got a big grin. And he starts jumping in the middle of it and just, he's just, he's just happy. He's just excited. He's, he's giggling like a, you know, like there's no tomorrow. And, 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 and the psychologists are like, this is odd. This, so they, 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 they pull him out of the room, get him cleaned up, and they ask him, Whoa, what in the world? Why, why, why are you so excited? He goes, with this much, there has to be a pony somewhere. honestly, guys, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and that story, you know, it, 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 it's, it's funny, but does our future glory dictate our hope? This kid had the hope of a pony. We have so much more. We have so much more. God himself is our future glory, not the streets of gold, not, not, not our mansions, not whatever, right? God himself, full relationship with God is our future glory and our hope. And so no matter what comes in this temporariness, we know he is there and he is our all. You know, it, 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 it goes on. It it's it, as it's talking about here in hope. All true hope is in what we can't see, right? If 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 if, it, if we couldn't see it, then it wouldn't be necessarily hope, right? If it was here right now, it wouldn't be hope. And so, we live by faith. We walk by hope. Um, the other the other thing, you know, is I can't make myself hope. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit. Just as much as he saved me, and he is working in my, in my heart and in my mind, um, it is actually him that gives me this hope. And so when I'm trusting in him, it actually, he actually gives me this hope, this, this, this eternal hope that we have. Um, faith is entrusting it, faith, faith my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, but hope is the result of that faith in him. I'm going to say it one more time. Faith is entrusting my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, but hope is the result of that faith in Him. And as I as I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, that brings us to our next point. In verse twenty six and twenty seven, especially, we see it. Um, our great helper, our great helper. You know, the, the Holy Spirit is there. Um, let me go ahead and read 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And as he searches hearts, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. notice notice here likewise the spirit helps us in our weaknesses it's present tense he's always there he's always involved he's not going anywhere he is currently doing this right now even as i'm preaching he is currently working and doing things right now in our lives he is helping us in our weaknesses Notice it says our weakness is. So you know, like what what are you know? And if you look at if you even look at that, um, if you go to the Greek, it, it's it's if the word would be almost helpless or someone with a disability. That that is honestly us. It's honestly me. Um, the the word help there. Actually, this is the, this is the, the, the picture that we get, is it, it actually to carry us or to pull us along. It's very strong that the Holy Spirit is actually pulling us and doing things in our lives. He's actually carrying us. And, you know, <clears throat> so what, what, kind of, what kind of weaknesses can we have in our lives? Well, you know, we can have mental, um, a mental weakness, a mental breakdown, um, just maybe out of fatigue. Like, I don't know how to pray anymore. Has anybody been there? Maybe a, a, a situation has happened and, and you're just so frustrated in a situation or you don't have the wisdom. What, what route are we supposed to go here? I'm perplexed. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to pray. Um, emotionally, you know, I, I've been to a place where um, I emotionally I just want to give up. I just want to give up on the situation that, that may be at hand. Um, and that, that, that very much is a weakness. And physically, I mean, I, there's been times when I am just too physically exhausted to pray anymore. And I might actually fall asleep trying it. And yet, and yet, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. With groanings too deep for words. He pleads interceding there. That, that word basically means to, inter, uh, to plead the case for them. Um, and you know, and it, it, notice once again, that's in the present tense as well. He is interceding, intercedes for us. Um, and this is really cool. Uh, if you look down a little bit lower in, in Romans, um, in verse 34, there's another intercessor for us. And that's Jesus Christ. <laughs> And a lot of times, that's who we think that's interceding for us, and it's very true. He's at the right hand of God, interceding for us right now. And that's amazing. But right now, we have the Holy Spirit interceding for us as well here on earth inside of us. That's amazing as well. So we have two out of the three trinity interceding for us pulling for us, pleading our case for us. But it doesn't end there because where does this all come from? From the will of God, Father. So we have all three of the Trinity here pulling for us, on our side for us. That's amazing to think about, isn't it? And it should bring encouragement to us. The Spirit cares very much for you. Notice it says, intercedes with groanings, deep groanings. If you, if you notice, there, there's, there's three different places that this word groaning is being used in Romans. Um, one is creation, groaning out because of uh, us groaning out inwardly as we wait for, for Jesus to come back. And now the Spirit, the Spirit is actually groaning for us. He is emotionally invested in us. He loves us. He cares about us. It's, it's not just like, ah, you know what, you know, I'm just, I'm just having to deal with this guy, Matt, and I'm just going to... No, he, he literally loves me. He literally loves you. And he is emotionally invested in you. That's amazing. That's amazing. And he's burdened for you. He's so burdened for you that he groans for you. Just as we groan for Jesus and just as creation groans for Jesus. He groans for us. I don't know of anybody that's going to groan for me. Honestly. Maybe my wife, maybe she will once in a while. But, you know, the Holy Spirit groans for me. That's amazing. And once again, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is praying for you. That's also amazing to think about. That the Holy Spirit is praying a perfect prayer for you. I I, I always ask for prayer for me. I, I, I you know I know the the other elders are praying for myself as uh, as we go through <clears throat> and do. Um, uh, the work of the church. I know there are people in the congregation praying for us as leaders and I, I appreciate that and I love that. Um, I know, you know, I have family members praying for me. I have friends praying for me. That's, and I, I love every minute of it, but we, have we really thought the, the fact that, man, the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, part of the Godhead, is actually praying for us and praying a perfect prayer for us. He knows perfectly how to pray for us because of the will of God. That is, that is truly amazing. Let's not take that for granted, guys. Let's not, absolutely not take it for granted. Um, that's how much he loves us. Um, worship team, you can come on up. What... This does, as we look at um, 18 through 27, and I I feel like I went through here pretty quickly. I feel like I kind of gave you the cliff notes. Um, There is so much more here that we could go into. But 18 is such a grounding that I, I consider the present sufferings not worth comparing with the glory to be revealed coming to us. But then also knowing that the Holy Spirit is praying and interceding for us as we go through those things. This sets us up, and Brad's going to be preaching next week. This sets us up for an amazing verse. And I'm just going to go ahead and read this now. This is what we'll be talking about next week. 28. And we know that those for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And then it goes on. That is an amazing piece of scripture right there. That Brad's going to have the, the, the privilege of talking through. But guys, every single thing that we go through, God has us. He cares about us. Don't allow... the the suffering, the junk of this world to take our eyes off of how much he loves us, how much he cares about us and what is to come that the future glory of a relationship with him a full relationship full fellowship with him Uh, let's pray, Father God we thank you so much for all the many blessings you've given us we thank you that you are uh, so loving towards us even though we don't deserve it that you, you actually intercede for us, that you pray for us, that you, you care enough that you are just pouring your, your, yourself out for us. We are thankful. And uh, right now, I just pray that we will be able to focus on you and nothing more. In your name I pray. Amen.
1: Please stand. What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer? There is no more. For heaven now to give, he is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold.
2: side, the Savior He will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need His power is displayed. To this I hold And I shall overcome, yet not I, but through Christ in me. No fate I dread, I know I am forgiven. The future, sure, the price it has been paid. For Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon,
0: and he was raised to overthrow the
2: grave. To this I hold, my sin has been defeated, Jesus' said that he
0: Thanks for joining us this morning. I'm um, so glad you were here. If there's anything we talked about this morning, um, if you have any questions, any of your prayer, um, please don't, don't hesitate to uh, talk to Brad or myself or, or somebody. Don't, don't leave without uh, talking to somebody. Um, but once again, we're just glad you're here. Um, Jesus loves you guys. He really does. And there is an awesome glory waiting on us when He comes back. So. Let me pray. Father God, we once again thank you so much for all your many blessings. Um, We just pray that you will continue to lead us, continue to guide us, continue to uh, be our all. Um, I just pray that you will um, be glorified in our lives as we walk in this sin-cursed world. Um, Once again, we thank you and uh, we just pray that your will be done. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks, guys.